platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. The energy that drives the modern global economy we are seeing today. And frankly, coal and fossil fuels take the most credit. But it comes at a high cost, as air pollution and climate change are pushing our Mother Earth to the brink of ruin. The clock is ticking. Drastic actions were called for. China feels the responsibility. When President Xi um, last year said that China will stop all overseas coal investment, that may have been the most important decision for the environment that year. The most aggressive climate commitment was delivered by Chinese President Xi Jinping. China aims to peak carbon emissions by 2030 and reach carbon neutrality by 2060. And even better, China knows exactly how to accomplish that goal. Energy transition. And the first and most crucial step to jumpstart the process is to reduce the cost of electricity from renewable resources and make them price competitive. But how? This virtuous cycle can give the sense of how China breaks down its goal into smaller steps. Firstly, Sweeping investments have been pouring into every front of renewable resources, including solar power, wind turbines, and electric vehicles, while advanced technologies have been deployed at full speed. Even during the pandemic, China's green trajectory has not slowed. China's installed renewable energy capacity is already way above the rest of the world. In numbers, China is responsible for one-third of global solar capacity, holding the number one position for seven consecutive years. And Beijing has no intention of putting a break on it. This year, China is expected to add up to 90 gigawatts of solar power, much higher than a record increase last year, which will take its total installed capacity to over 300 gigawatts. In the territory of another major clean energy, wind power, China built more offshore wind last year than the rest of the world had done in the previous five years, accounting for half of the world's total. By 2030, China plans to scale up to 1.2 terawatts of wind and solar capacity. China last year produced 80% of all solar panels in the world. China last year produced more wind energy than the rest of the world has done in the last five years combined. China last year produced two-thirds of all new hydropower in the world, and indeed 99% of all electric buses in the world are running on Chinese roads. So China is such a lead nation among every technology we do need. And of course, Belt and Road provides an enormous opportunity for spreading these investments to Pakistan or Indonesia or Kenya or South Africa, to all the other developing nations in different sorts of, of partnerships. The all-in strategy in clean energy has worked. Between 2011 and 2018 alone, the price of solar power plunged by more than 60%. This, in turn, pushed up demand, attracting more capital to invest in further deployment, and the green economy getting expanded. China's 2060 climate pledge is arguably bold, given that it's still a developing country and has a massive energy consumption base. But it's all about perspective. Opportunities lie in challenges. 
Beijing turned this daunting task into a big moneymaker. After years of efforts in lowering costs and strengthening a technology-enabled industrial chain, China has consolidated its dominance in the supply chain of clean energy, contributing to the world's green transformation. In 2020, China supplied 70% of the world's solar panels, holding its top spot for 15 years in a row, and produced over 70% of global lithium-ion batteries. Today. China is home to seven out of the ten largest solar manufacturers globally, and six out of the ten largest wind turbine manufacturers. And China's electric push doesn't fall short of momentum either. Tesla's founder and CEO Elon Musk lauded China in a tweet, saying it is leading the world in renewable energy and also electric vehicles. It goes beyond doubt that China dominates the electric vehicle sector. And its market size is only going to continue growing and become larger than Germany, the United States, Japan, France, and South Korea combined. Confidence comes from a strong manufacturing capability. In 2021, over three million new energy cars were sold in China. That's half of the total global EV sales, and the number is poised to double this year to six million. Such an EV boom has also set off another huge business: lithium-ion battery recycling. The recycling of batteries for electric vehicles can not only cut carbon emissions but also ease supply strains caused by price surges in raw materials used in batteries. Power battery recycling is a golden trap. Through this recycling method, the supply problems of strategically scarce resources such as nickel, cobalt. Manganese and lithium can be resolved. Repurposed batteries could be used as backup power systems for China's 5G stations, or reused in shared e-bikes, and would save more than 60 million tons of carbon emissions from new batteries. By 2027, China's EV battery recycling market is expected to reach 150 billion yuan. And as countries are heading to meet the climate targets, a 20-fold increase in global demand for batteries is predicted for the coming years. Chinese companies are poised to meet that surge in demand by spending at least 11 billion U.S. dollars to scale up output. Compared with wind and solar, batteries are a much newer part of the clean energy landscape. Suppliers are still experimenting with new chemistries and ramping up production capacity. Which means there's still a lot of room to grow in the future. Apart from delivering its climate promises, China also envisions to play a role in reshaping the global energy landscape. To fulfill that ambition, China needs to have courage and creativity. From ultra-high voltage power lines to hydrogen fuel cells, innovations for renewable energies keep coming out from China. China has more than 250 hydrogen refueling stations, ranking first in the world, accounting for about 40% of the world's total. 35 MPa intelligent rapid hydrogen refueling machine and 70 MPa integrated hydrogen refueling station technology achieved breakthroughs. In the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, renewables are central to meeting the energy demands in the process. However, such a process has to be empowered by technology. Coming up next, 
targeting computing power and building new infrastructure to empower all industries. It is indeed very important to both digital economy as well as the whole national economic growth. Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Si. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house, Chuanzhou's Gu We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement of the snowfields. Yes! 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 I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. A platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision-makers. This is BizTalk. In modern international relations, competition is focused on technology as the core of hard power. To fuel the tech race, China is pumping 1.4 trillion U.S. dollars into new digital infrastructure, which signals China's ambition of becoming the global leader in high-tech industries of the future. As the largest manufacturing country, China has the most complete industrial categories. In the process of rapid expansion, problems have arisen, such as weak industrial synergy and low added value of the industrial chain. However, these weak spots are likely to be filled by deploying the new infrastructure. Data centers, one kind of the many assets in China's mega new infrastructure projects, can really create a stronger momentum for innovation and thus facilitate digital transformation and industrial upgrading. We find that the digital economy actually booming because the computing power first can support very complex but very important public services. So the first thing is that the information technology revolution enable the algorithm to provide such kind of public services with a low cost. This is the origin of booming of digital economy. A case in point is Chinese engineering company ZoomLion. The firm has launched the first frontline intelligent robotic excavator, equipped with bionic controls and a human-machine interface system, enabling it to recognize both gestures and voice commands. Through the cloud platform, the unmanned excavator is capable of carrying out tasks remotely, making slope cutting easier and more accurate. Once an operator inputs the 3D model, the site, and task into the excavator, the machine can conduct a global analysis and drive to the target site and work automatically, without need for professional operators or surveyors. Digital transformation is the craze in China. In 2020, the world economy grounded to a halt. 
However, China's digital economy kept a high growth rate of around 10% in 2020. A big contributor to that was two decades of continuous effort to build a digital China strategy. From 2005 to 2020, the scale of China's digital economy has surged 15 times to around $6 trillion, accounting for nearly 40% of the country's total GDP. Inevitably, the digital economy is expected to become the main driver of the country's economic growth. Guangzhou, the capital of Guangdong province, is a hub connecting the Guangdong, Hong Kong, Macau, Greater Bay Area. The city has just launched a host of digital economy regulations and was the first local government to do so. The regulations focus on cutting-edge technologies, industrial and real economy upgrading, application empowerment, and talent training. The digital economy's key is to integrate theories, algorithms, computing power, and other core digital technologies. Complications exist within every industry as the economy develops. So we need complex methods to aggregate and analyze data to bring huge benefits to industries. Building new infrastructure has become a top priority for China. The endeavor mainly refers to information-based infrastructure, including seven key areas. Each has enormous spillover effects in the economy. For instance, building millions of 5G stations would dramatically boost information exchanges facilitate technological advances and lead to explosive growth of entire sectors rather than just supporting the growth of a handful of firms. A telecom academy has predicted that by 2030, 5G-related sectors in China will drive more than 6 trillion yuan of economic output and create 8 million jobs. China is playing a leading role in 5G. We followed others in the 2G era strove to catch up in the 3G era, kept up in the 4G era, and now we take the lead in the 5G era. China has 70% of the world's total 5G base stations and around 80% of the total 5G users. And China Mobile's 5G users account for more than half of China's total. That's close to that of a continent. Data is becoming a battlefield for global influence between major countries. Global market intelligence firm IDC predicts that by 2025, the total amount of online data will increase more than five times compared to 2018. About 30% of that will come from China, and is the highest ratio among all countries. But it's not just about quantity. China is positioned to develop the world's leading ultra-large-scale market around data, including data processing, storage, and transmission. China is the largest developing country who has already uh, explored how to use the computing power to boom the economy. I think the first thing China should shoulder is that summarize the experience it has of using the digital economy to reach people, to industrialize their economy, to provide much better public, uh, public good and public services. Digital transformation in every field starts with the data centers and is based on the computing power they provide. Taking agricultural digitization as an example, Chinese scientists are conducting a study of land use classification that involves hundreds of terabytes of data processing, 
In the past, such amounts of data operations would take a month to complete. But now, they only take a few seconds in supercomputing centers. Our center has petaflops of computing power, which is equivalent to the computing power provided by 100,000 computers combined. Now we are in the second phase of construction, and the computing power performance will be a thousand times higher than the current computer. At present, the sum of the computing power in our country is in the world-leading position. After two decades of transformation, China has completed the overall layout design to fulfill its digital China strategy. The East Data and Western Computing Project is the latest top-level design for accelerating its bid for global leadership in computing power. The effort will see the building of eight computing hubs and ten data center clusters across the country. In Western China, there is more abundant supply of power than in the East, especially clean energy resources such as wind and solar energy. The West-East Power Transmission Program will help data centers get better access to green power and increase their use of green energy to 80% from 20%. This will also reduce carbon emissions and further China's dual carbon goals. The electronics and information industry in Chengdu has favorable labor costs and is rich in science and R&D processing resources. It can also benefit the industrial upgrades in the surrounding western cities. In the digital era, the ability of processing data largely determines the landscape of our digital world, and even the shape of the national economy. As the carriers of computing power, data centers have become a hotspot for investment in many countries. After all, the rewards are guaranteed with real money. A recent report points out a direct correlation between economic expansion and computing power by demonstrating that one point of growth in the computing index could translate to 1.8 per million growth in GDP. Actually, there won't be a digital economy without computing power. As stated in the report, for U.S. and China, or any countries whose computing power index score is over 60, if the computing power index grows by one point, we would expect a three times relative growth in GDP. According to another computing power expert uh, report from CAST, the China Academy of Information and Communication Technology Institute, one RMB, one RMB invested in the computing power building um, will result in three to four RMB in total GDP. So it is indeed very important to both digital economy as well as the whole national economic growth. Coming up next, testing the waters in pioneering innovation in financial technology. E-commerce, I think, has been the fundamental enabler for fintech organizations. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. 
Get on our wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. This is how people pay in China: no cash, no credit cards, and even no phone. All they need to do is smile at the camera. This is the epitome of China's ongoing fintech revolution. Fintech refers to any business that aims to improve ordinary financial processes and services through the use of technology. If you've ever purchased something with your phone, transferred money via an app, or checked your bank statement online, you are already part of the fintech industry. As for the best example of a shift away from traditional transactions, look no further than China. China puts great value on the development of its digital economy. The boom of e-commerce then eventually becomes a driver for the fintech industry. We moved almost straight from a physical economy into an e-economy, so into a, an <clears throat> a, an e-commerce-based platform. So and so for me, when shopping went online, when transactions went online, it then necessitated the fact that you needed to have electronic payment. And so, e-commerce, I think, has been the fundamental driver for the change in the financial services ecosystem, and been a fundamental enabler for fintech organisations to be able to change the way traditional transactions were processed. China has developed infrastructure in what's known as A B C D technology, meaning AI, big data, cloud computing, and data analysis. Such infrastructure unleashes the potential of China's fintech market, which has been leading the world since 2018. In 2020, China's fintech sector had a market value of more than 59.3 billion U.S. dollars. It's projected to reach about 81.3 billion dollars in 2022. In the meantime, tech giants such as Alibaba, Tencent, and Baidu are increasingly expanding their reach and ability to innovate. China really leads the way. It has the most developed payments ecosystem. It has the most developed e-commerce ecosystem, and I think as a result of that, fintech players, so people who build technology to help in financial services and to make financial services more efficient, have far more opportunities to be able to work within the ecosystem. It's not just the private sector that is investing in fintech in China. The government is also on the move. It's one of the world pioneers in central bank digital currency, or CBDCs. The digital yuan has been under development since 2014. The effort is aimed at replacing cash in transactions and to make the monetary and payment systems more efficient. 23 regional trials have taken place, and the digital yuan was also piloted at this year's Winter Olympic Games. Number one, it's issued by central bank. And、uh, which means the money—it's just a different format of the money, right?、It、used to be paper. It's very convenient to use. So if you are used to mobile payment, you already know how to do it. All, all you have is digital format of currency in your pocket. I think the idea is to make the money accessible to everybody. However, the use of the digital yuan isn't to make existing mobile payment apps irrelevant, but to complement them. In fact, Alipay and WeChat Pay have already integrated the digital yuan on their platforms. It's not about 
taking over market share from WeChat and Alipay, that's already done. It's about converting more, making China more digital, increasing the size of the digital economy, and bringing payment to parts of the economy that have not yet gone digital. Cash is nowhere in sight in daily transactions. When you find that Chinese people are so used to just scanning QR codes and paying with their phones, it's hard to think that China was almost an all-cash society about 15 years ago. China didn't have an established credit score system, and the use of credit cards was at a very low level. This, however, makes China a perfect breeding ground for fintech. It has led the world in the fintech adoption rate. Leapfrogging from being a credit card society to embracing a cashless society right away. We are still a emerging market. There are a lot of needs in the market for financing, and the traditional banking system is not super well established compared to the developed countries. So the internal demand and the supply for financing is a driving force of the development of this industry. However, fintech's obvious benefits don't come without risks. Monopolies, privacy concerns, transaction security—these are all possible issues the fintech industry could face. This is where regulations should come in. Regulation improvement should go in tandem with development of the financial industry. Fintech used in financial industries should also get applied in regulations. The People's Bank of China released its fintech development plan for 2022 to 2025 earlier this year. The Chinese government has long been hands-off in its regulatory approach, but it has now begun to pay close attention to the balance between fintech innovation and regulation. The government still wants the fintech market to grow, but through regulated progress instead of unchecked expansion. Privacy and data protection were also highlighted in the plan. A series of policies will be drafted to implement relevant data security laws. At the same time, traditional banks are now spending a lot to transform themselves in order to manage risks brought on by fintech. China's top 15 banks spent a total of 14 billion U.S. dollars on technology in 2019. The Bank of China set up a fintech subsidiary. And is now working on a number of key areas, including tech-assisted banking advice, anti-money laundering, and risk management systems. There might be loopholes in the technologies themselves or in industry practices. If we don't constantly improve, bad people might exploit them. FinTech is evolving at an incredible rate in China, transforming financial services while altering society. With the momentum showing no signs of easing, China's digital economy will only become more prosperous.